Live from the Great White North, this is the Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. The Canadian Investor. It is now 2021, first episode of the year. As always, joined by my co-host, Simon Belanger. And today we're going to talk about five stocks each for 2021 that we are watching, maybe own, but uh, definitely think it could be an interesting year for some of these holdings. And uh, let's start with some news, uh, Simon. What did what did Brookfield do today? Yeah, so Brookfield, you sent that to me this morning. I hadn't looked at uh, my phone just yet on for the news. Um, so yeah, Brookfield Asset Management and a group of private investors offered to acquire uh, basically the rest of Brookfield Property Partners um, for a deal of US $5.9 billion to take the real estate company private. Um, they would acquire the outstanding units because they are units because they're a limited partnership um, at $16.50 US each or it's about a 14% premium. So um, that to me is really interesting uh, because we've talked about uh, Brookfield Property Partners. You've talked about, um, can't forget, um, Allied Property Re- as well, which is in yep. the same same area. And we were both bearish on the sector mostly because um, who knows what the new work will look like once the pandemic is done. My personal philosophy is that there will still be office space required, but probably to a lesser extent than we saw pre-pandemic. And uh, it's interesting that uh, BAM is doing this acquisition. Um, they must see a lot of value in it. They're really good at finding value, so I'm not going to really question them on that. Um, I am a bit scratching my head on on this overall, but it's hard to me f- um, to question BAM because uh, overall uh, in the past they've they've really done good moves. So I guess we'll wait and see uh, what happens with them and how accretive it'll be for their overall business. Yeah, I I, I called this. I, I looked at the arbitrage and I just figured that this might happen. Like just honestly, never. I'm never surprised when Bruce Flatt, the CEO, uh, does and says things that are completely contrarian because that's what Brookfield has done. That's what their business is made of, is making value investments in real assets. Like they've been doing that since day one. So if you own Brookfield and you like the business for how they have done in the past and and, and their awesome assets that they do have, sometimes the, the good comes with the bad and Brookfield has basically always done the contrarian move. So uh, this doesn't come as a surprise by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Have you been following this Jack Ma thing? It's all over the news today. (laughs) I saw I saw what you're going to to talk about. I did see it a little bit if you want to tell people what it is. Yeah. Okay, so for some reason people just started talking about it today, like – Everyone's like, wait, where is Jack Ma? So if you don't know who Jack Ma is, he's the founder of of Alibaba, one of the richest people in China, if not the richest uh, multi-multi-billionaire. And he has not been seen or cited by anyone 
in his close circle for like two months now. Um, and obviously there's been these probes into Alibaba and Ant Financial Group, the companies that he has started. And Alibaba's stock price has been beaten up since all of this like antitrust probing that the Chinese government has been doing. And now everyone's like, wait, why, like, where is, where is Jack Ma? And he's completely missing. So this is really sketchy, man. Like <laughs> really sketchy. Not a fan of this. No, I mean, it is sketchy, but nothing surprises me when it comes to China. Uh, let's be honest here. It's a dictatorship and uh, the Chinese uh, communist party um, traditionally has not been fond of uh, people or entities that could threaten their power and you can make a case that Jack Ma was uh, starting to become really powerful with Alibaba but also and financial he has a lot of influence so who knows I don't want to speculate but I mean I think you can run your imagination pretty wild here and you might not yeah. be that far off unfortunately yeah yeah so I mean this is this is the thing right like something to watch for this year is you saw what Chinese Communist Party is doing to Alibaba and all these probes and anti-monopoly and antitrust, like oh, kind of like what they were doing here for big tech, but not quite the same. And so this is one of the risks, you know, if you own some of these Chinese mega tech companies is they've lost like 200 billion in market cap in the last two months. And uh, so we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm long Tencent to Simon in as well is is as well. So we'll have to see what uh, what happens. Um, <clears throat> what another thing uh, before we get into the top uh, or stocks to watch for for the new year is Constellation Software spinoff of Topicus.com, one of their companies that should be happening today. Shareholders receiving Topicus shares as a special dividend today. Uh, we are at market close and I have not seen them. So we'll see. Uh, the, the press release says that it should happen today. Um, but I'll, I'll keep everyone posted on that. Yeah, well. but I find Quest Raids always a bit delayed when it comes to that. When I got the same thing for uh, for BEP shares to BEPC earlier this summer, um, it was the same kind of thing. They set a specific day, and I saw it in my Quest Trade account a couple of days after. So uh, I would not worry, uh, be too worried about that. You'll probably see it soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about it. This whole topic of spinoff got delayed so much anyways. Um, so I'm surprised. Then all of a sudden it was just happening. It was like, oh, we're not doing it. And it's like, oh, wait, now it's happening again. So I'll keep everyone posted on that. But if you're a Constellation shareholder, uh, keep your eyes peeled for Topicus shares. You can decide what you want to do with that. Uh, do a little bit of research on that business. It's it's one that they've owned for, for uh, a little bit now. Um, okay, let's get into it. Uh, I'll let you go first here. Uh, we're going to go into five businesses that... Uh, we're interested in, in keeping a close eye on our watch list for the for 2021. Yeah, so I went with five five businesses, but I'll say I'll probably mention a couple for each, just because uh, what I'll be mentioning will apply to more than that one businesses in most cases. Um, so let's do one each. I'll start off. Um, so my top, my first one is MicroStrategy. Um, have you, Brayden? Have you ever heard of MicroStrategy? 
I haven't, but I'm I'm seeing what buckets bucket it is in, and, and I'm now I'm almost embarrassed that I have no idea what this is. So MicroStrategy made headlines uh, because in 2020 they purchased a lot of Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Um, just to give you an idea of what oh. their yeah their business is, it's a SaaS model. They provide analytical analytical software for enterprises. Um, their revenue have been fairly stable, not really increasing all that much, but they. Um, they have good free cash flow every year and uh, michael um state i can't i forget his name but i'll, I'll look it back up when uh, where you're giving your your first pick but uh, michael sailor i believe is his name is uh he's the ceo and he actually was able to purchase bitcoin with the cash that they had on their balance sheets because in his mind it was the best investment in terms of uh, keeping purchasing power and the best investment for his own shareholders and whether you believe in bitcoin or not doesn't matter i just find it really fascinating uh because just to look at how micro strategy will do this year if they're stock price will be solely correlated to the price of bitcoin and how investors overall will be approaching micro strategy it's still a very small company it's a couple billion dollars market cap but they purchased earlier in the summer 500 million dollars worth of bitcoin and then they did a um, convertible note offering at 0.75 percent uh, i think a month ago to purchase another 500 million in Bitcoin and it actually got oversubscribed by in institutional investors um, so to me those that stock but also Square PayPal any company that has uh, exposure to Bitcoin or cryptocurrency I'm really fascinated to see how they will be doing in 2021 and of course uh, we can talk about that later but uh, another episode but uh, there's rumors that Coinbase will be going public in 2021 as well yeah, that would definitely be an interesting IPO to watch uh, as Bitcoin continues to be higher every hour that I check. Uh, it, Square also put 50, is it 50 million of the balance sheet that Jack Dorsey put into Bitcoin? And I mean, that looks like a pretty good, pretty good uh, use of cash there. So, I mean, it's interesting to see, right? It's, uh, it's, Potentially has its place, and Coinbase obviously is is a leader in in, in uh, crypto as well. So we'll uh, we'll see how that goes in twenty twenty one. All right, I will move to something I'm watching, something I don't own, but uh, probably should is Intuitive Surgical ticker ISRG, and what this business does is they create innovative robotic surgeries. So they their product is called the Da Vinci. And it's a robot system that performs surgeries. And this tech is years ahead of the competition. Uh, they're very innovative. And they are a bit of a first mover in this. Now, I'm interested to see what happens this year because their business has been affected, obviously, greatly by the pandemic. And a lot of the surgeries that they do have been delayed because of COVID-19. So I'm interested to see how that picks up. I mean, the, a lot of these surgeries can't be pushed forever, right? So they have to be done at some point. So now they're looking at, you know, I, I think it's going to ramp up quite quickly. Um, but what's really interesting about the Da Vinci system and, and Intuitive Surgical's business model is they sell these robots, they get them into hospitals, 
and a couple things happen is the numbers on the hospitals ordering more as soon as they get the first one in is very impressive. So they're like, once they get one robot in there, these, these surgeons, they're like, okay, we're, we're, we need more of these things and they have numbers to back that up. But what's really, really interesting is 72% of the revenue is recurring for a hardware tech business. This is incredible because what happens is anywhere from $700 to $3,500 per procedure in um, instruments and accessories that are not reusable. So they, they need to be used for every single surgery. So once you get the surgical system, the Da Vinci inside a hospital, they're on a service agreement. So they're, they're getting that recurring revenue on the service agreement and they're getting the instruments and accessories for every single surgery that's performed. So this makes up 72% of their revenues recurring for a very, very sticky uh, hardware tech product. It's a, it's a great business model. They have around 5,700 uh, Da Vinci systems installed worldwide. About, oh, yeah, just a little over half is in the US, uh, one-sixth in Europe. They have over 800 systems in Asia about 300 rest of the world. So when you look at just cracking the surface in terms of the amount of surgeries that they actually do, uh, it is a huge runway for growth. So the stock's expensive, but the upside in terms of like this being so asymmetrical um, is very exciting. Yeah, I mean, I've been aware of them for a while, and it's the good old razor and blade model, right? You buy the razor, it's a good deal, and then you have to buy the blades every time uh, that uh, that you perform something. So it's uh, that same thing. The good old Gillette model. Exactly, that's it. So my number two is Air Canada. So for me, I'm just interested in seeing how travel uh, will due in 2021 uh once the vaccines are fully rolled out um will travel immediately get back to the pre-pandemic levels will it take some time will it take a few years will people still be kind of gun shy um so to me i would I would include Air Canada along with uh, the cruise line, the hospitality, the hotels, all that, just kind of in the same bucket, just to see overall how these travel and leisure businesses uh, do in 2021, especially with the vaccine being rolled out and more widely available. I have a feeling that it's it's obviously in my mind going to pick up, but I feel like it won't be for a few years until it gets back to a pre-pandemic level. So for me, Air Canada will be something just interesting to, to watch. I would not invest any money personally in Air Canada, at least not until um, it really is on the up, uptrend. I think you're better off waiting a bit too long than investing too early in it uh, personally. Yeah, it's probably probably wise advice. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it seems... I mean, from where I live, it seems like we're getting further from from that than than we were several months ago. So we shall see. I'm going to pivot to Unity, ticker U, and this company IPO'd in 2019. So they're fairly new in terms of being on the public markets, but they're not very new because they have 50% of games on their engine 
in the in terms of market share. They basically split gaming engine market share down the middle with uh, uh, Epic Games' Unreal Engine, which is owned by uh, which is owned by uh, Tencent. So, I love this business model for for two reasons: is they have such a strong foothold already in what they call create solutions. So this lets developers build games on their engines. This is a platform type of product. Um, and then they also have the operate segment, which is very interesting in terms of bringing, letting game developers bring their product to market. So whether it's advertising, uh, a platform for, you know, making sure multiplayer works and servers and cloud delivery networks, all of these kinds of products they have then on this recurring model. And it's, it's very cool. The reason why I find this even more interesting is not only the secular trend in video gaming, but the unity engine can be used for so many other impressive applications, whether it's real estate or industrial the move to modeling and building everything digitally before you actually put a shovel in the ground makes so much sense. Uh, it saves tons of money, um, avoids mistakes, lowers your risk. So beyond the secular trend of gaming, which Unity is in a great place to benefit from, uh, there's so many other applications that are still uh, very you know first inning type of scenario. And uh, there is just a lot of runway for growth for Unity. And, uh, you know, they already have a fantastic market share. So I think uh, even though it might be expensive, I think it's pretty low risk, honestly, moving forward from here. Did you end up uh, pulling the trigger on that one? No, I didn't. I uh, sneak peek into one of my other watch list ones here. Okay. Um, I I bought the trade desk instead. Hey, uh, that's good, too. Um, so I will go with my third one, so Teladoc, uh, but I'll include DocuSign and Zoom and any type of stay-at-home stock. So I'm really interested in seeing how the companies that really, really benefited from the pandemic, um, how they do in 2021, but also going forward, because obviously a Zoom, if you just look at their revenues, it just kind of it just exploded. Um, same thing for Teladoc, same thing for DocuSign, but those are all pretty solid businesses even before the pandemic started and my personal view and i'll come back to tell doc on this is i don't think people will necessarily go back to the old ways of doing things when it comes to telemedicine i think people will like the convenience if they used it during the pandemic if they had a mild case of covid19 for example in the u.s and they used the uh, visit to view a doctor without ever having to go to the hospital um, that fit like being familiar with the service I think will have huge tailwinds for them they may not see the exact increase that they saw in 2020 for obvious reasons but I think the the best of those uh, will keep doing well the growth might not be as as strong as it was this year but I think uh, for the years to come there'll be solid businesses but it I'm just kind of, I am intrigued to see how they do this year in 2022. If, uh, yeah, like, for example, Zoom's the, the best example. People think that as soon as the vaccines are out, I've heard that, well, people will no longer do uh, Zoom meetings or anything like that. Well, if you're a business and you want to save money to me, 
makes a whole lot of sense to uh, to do more meetings via Zoom than having to, uh, you know, pay for employee expenses left, right, and center. But um, all that to say, I'm interested in seeing how they'll do in 2021. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I mean, obviously, Zoom's growth in 2020 is pulled forward years of growth for the business. But to to say that, you know, on reopening of the economy, that people won't be using these services anymore is complete, uh, completely ludicrous. So it could be good entry points for some of these businesses like Teladoc, like Zoom, right? You know, the, Zoom's become a verb. Like that, the amount of brand has, foothold, yeah. <laughs> the amount of brand foothold that they have uh, like acquired is incredible. So assuming that the, that the growth this year would be, you know, a, tra- a reasonable trajectory for moving forward uh, is way too bold of an assumption, but the, that growth could continue and that they will have low churn, I think is actually pretty fair. So if, 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 if uh, stay at home stocks get beaten up on reopening, then it could be probably a good entry point. That's uh, a good point there, Simon. Um, okay, I'm going to talk about a fairly controversial business, depending on who you talk to, uh, Match Group. Okay, so Match Group, they own Tinder, Match.com, Plenty of Fish, OkCupid, Hinge. And I could go on this long, long list of all of their very niche dating applications that they have. Um, and I think this has gone under the radar as one of the best pandemic stocks. And the reason for that is because well, the numbers speak for themselves, but people thought, you know, dating is dead in a pandemic, but since people can't actually meet in person, it's it's one of these things that have accelerated greatly um, in terms of people meeting online and then, you know, meeting in person and it being, you know, one-on-one, potentially more safe. So the numbers speak for themselves, like this is not just my theory. But what's really interesting about the business is monetization has been improving really, really, uh, really well over the last couple of years. Um, their average re- revenue per y- per uh, average revenue per user (ARPU) is steadily climbing every year. And if this starts to accelerate even more, I could be interested in starting a position. But they have a straight up monopoly on online dating. Uh, the only big app that they don't own that uh, reaches top on App Store every year is, is Bumble. Um, but Tinder is like 10 times bigger, probably more. Um, and some of the ones that they've been acquiring have been growing really fast. So, I mean, it's it's, it's it feels like a weird stock to own for most people, I'm sure. But uh, Tinder is the number one downloaded and top grossing dating app worldwide. And it is the highest grossing overall application in the world, which is absolutely bonkers to think about. So, uh, you know, they are monetizing it, clearly. And uh, the monetization per user is accelerating. So this business could be could be uh, much bigger from here, even at 40-odd, some-odd billion in market cap. It feels like it could be a lot bigger in the future. Yeah, hey, pandemic or not, everyone needs a bit of loving. That's right, man. You got it. <laughs> no, but uh, all jokes aside, don't underestimate the uh, need for human connection. 
So um, that personal connection that people have. So pandemic or not, it's going to happen and completely agree with you. I think this business will be strong for years, if not decades to come. So my number fourth is, um, again, I group about three together. Um, so I'll be interested in watching BIP, uh, Brookfield Infrastructure Partners, uh, Brookfield Renewable Partners, but also Suncor. So it's a bit of a weird mix, but really how those businesses really get um, affected by federal governments around the world. Uh, investing in infrastructure. So the Canadian federal government announced a couple of months ago that they'd be investing $10 billion, and a lot of that is going into renewable energy. Um, so I'll be really interested in how that works out. But as Canadians, we all know whenever there is infrastructure investment, there's always a whole pipeline debate, the whole debate with oil, the tar sands, and so on. So it'll be interesting of all those three, which one benefits the most. And as a side note, um, I'm also interested in seeing how oil will do, oil and gas in 2021. It's been crushed in 2020 for obvious reasons. Demand wasn't there. Uh, there was a price war between uh, Saudi Arabia and Russia. Uh, pretty much everything that could go wrong for oil went wrong. But also there has been a lot of demand for renewable energy. BP has been on a tear. Like it's been uh, one of my best performing stocks uh, in 2020. Um, so just those tailwinds. If renewable infrastructure investments will continue. And if uh, there might also be on a side note. I would not touch that. But there might also be some really good value plays when it comes to the oil and gas sector yeah it, it, it's there's probably tons of value there from a contrarian standpoint uh not that we're particularly interested in it there's there could be a huge contrarian play in some of them um you know humans aren't off oil and gas just yet uh, we like the market seems to be very very forward thinking on that we'll never you know turn on our furnace again so um it's a good point to bring up uh okay so for my fourth pick i hinted at this a little bit earlier that i did start a position in the trade desk ticker is ttd now this is a u.s based business it's a software platform for digital advertising agencies to buy ads primarily um and so they do omni-channel. So whether you're buying ads, so say you're a big company, you have your digital advertising agency who runs your ad campaigns, which they all do. The, those ad campaign agencies will buy bulk ads. And the trade desk is now the leader and have created an actual market for these targeted ads. And they do omni-channel. So whether you're buying ads for search that, that revenue going to Google or say it's connected TV um, on social media, you name it, all the omni channels, the trade desk has a, now a market and a software platform for people to buy ads. And what they think is they're, they're agnostic to how you buy the ads and what channel you buy it on, but they are very consistent on their messaging that no matter what if it's a digital ad or not in the traditional sense is that it will be purchased and traded over this market on the internet and wow the, the growth speaks for itself um they've grown revenue anywhere from 70 percent 
those are the last like five years. Um, Explosive growth on on revenue, especially. It's just absolutely nuts how well this business is doing. It is founder led, which I really, really like. Uh, The founder, he still owns a ton of the business. Gross margins are really high, 77%. um, Good EBITDA margins. Now, the stock is very expensive. It is the most expensive stock I've ever bought. It trades at like almost 50 times sales. Like, you would never catch me buying this if I didn't think it was an exceptional business model. Uh, Like, exceptional with a capital E. I truly think this is one of the best business models out there. It is very expensive. So, um, I just have an entry position, a uh, very small one for now, but uh, I'm watching it for, for this year for sure. Yeah. I had to refresh my uh, phone screen when you told me you bought it. I'm like, really? Brayden is buying something 50 times sales. Oh God. I know. I, I, I like, I had to think long and hard about it, but I've missed some exceptional business models because they're trading too expensively and, and regretted it. So, I mean, if if it is too expensive and growth slows and has a massive pullback, I'm not going to lose any sleep at night because it is just a small position. Hey, that's the most important thing. Um, so my number five, Home Depot. So the reason why I find Home Depot really interesting is they were very resilient during the um, during 2020. Um, their sales were slightly up over the year before. Um, everyone knows Home Depot. They're very tied to the housing industry, but I like it a lot better than builders because the builders, the home builders can be very cyclical. Um, and it's going to be interesting in 2021 how it pans out in the US, Canada specifically um, with low interest rates, which all signs point to those interest rates staying low. Uh, potential defaults on mortgages because that could have a, a big impact on the price of homes and a lot of different things it could have a bit of a ripple effect um government incentives as well if uh, people don't know there's actually quite a bit of government incentives for uh, home buyers if you're interested in looking that up just type in chmc government incentives um you'll be able to see some of the new ones that are available there's been a few new ones the past couple of years uh but home depot will be really interesting because in my mind it's a lower risk play um, pays a nice dividend um, you get exposure to the housing market without necessarily the cyclicality of those home builders um, they're very well run business um, I do own it as well I started the position in March so it's been a, a really good stock for me in in 2020 uh, but I'll be interested in seeing because they're so tied to the housing market um, they have a lot of uh, pro uh, builders as well that uh, they have reward programs with them so it'll be interesting how they do in 2021 whether their sales kind of stay stable um, increase go down I think that'll be a good indicator for the overall housing market uh, basically how Home Depot does I'd say it was a pretty good year for them too yeah uh, 2020 oh yeah yeah it was I mean it was a it was a good year even like Stock price aside, um, I think they did, uh, considering what happened, they did really, really well. A lot of their sales that did not happen during the uh, March-April time frame, um, a lot of people just hold off, held off on them and just bought what they needed to buy a few months afterwards. So they really weren't, overall for the year, really not that much impacted by it. 
No, yeah, they, I think you know the, the impacts were only positive for the business, um, for better or for worse. Um, yeah, it's a good it's a good one to watch. I, I think home builders and and Home Depot are are in a good position moving forward. All right, uh, the, another one I'm watching is we we already talked about the spinoff that is happening with Constellation Software for their Topicus business, but the reason I'm watching Constellation Software. Uh, for this year is that they've been clear on the fact that they could extract so much value if they did a bunch of spinoffs. Mark Leonard, the CEO and founder, I love that he still runs the business. Uh, he's been pretty clear that spinoffs could be great for shareholders. And this topic of spinoff, I feel like is that test. You know, if this goes well, you could see them do do more spinoffs moving forward. So I'm very interested to see how Topicus performs on a pub on the public markets. It's an interesting business based out of the Netherlands, I believe. Uh, yeah, the Netherlands. And so it could be interesting to see, like Valeris, one of their operating groups, could potentially be spun out. Uh, that's been a target, um, and and whispers of shareholders saying that that could be spun out. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think this topic is, is going to be a real litmus test for how these spinoffs will do. But, uh, if, if you're not familiar with Constellation Software, it does only trade on the TSX under ticker CSU. And it's one of Canada's best capital allocators. They buy software firms and integrated markets and they take cash flow from these profitable cash flowing software companies that they buy. And then they consistently acquire more. We've seen this business model work. Mark Leonard is a genius, and he's held their return on invested capital of buying these businesses at well over 35% uh, consistently for over 10 years. So these guys know what, they do, what they're doing, and uh, they just consistently uh, you know, bring value. The stock's been in a 100-bagger on the TSX, uh, so... Everyone's done really well, and I'm happy to own a whole boatload of it here, but definitely watching how this spinoff uh, works out in 2021. Yeah, I mean, you know Constellation better than I do, so I kind of go with what you say when it comes to Constellation software. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, it's, a, it's a big business now, really big business. Um, I, I think that does it. We did our, our five. I know our watch list is exceeds these businesses and we had we had more than five businesses we already talked 10 businesses that we talked about today but um it should be an interesting year right uh we we all thought it would look a lot different moving into uh into this year but it looks like it's going to be more of the same for for a little while so it should be interesting to see how the stock market does um who could have expected what last year would look like in terms of returns some people did exceptionally well. I know my U.S. portfolio was up 39.3% um, in a pandemic. Like, who would have expected that? So it should be an interesting year. As always, GetStockMarket.com brings you to Stratosphere. Stratosphere is a platform that lets you look up every key statistic, 10-year financial statements, analyst buy-sell ratings, insider information you can see if executives are buying or selling the stock uh, there's a stock screener there's top picks there's a community forum if you want to ask questions it's all there 
So if you go to GetStockMarket.com, it goes to Stratosphere. You can do a 14-day free trial. And boom, you have your New Year's resolution already covered, which is better data for 2021. Better data is better decisions. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. I know, Simon, I'm, I think I'm speaking on your behalf with confidence here that we're really excited to grow the podcast more this year. It was a really good few last months for this podcast in, uh, in, in last year. So share it with your friends. If you have not given this podcast a five-star rating, wrote a review, go ahead and do that uh, because we really appreciate it. All right, guys, that does it for this week. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. The Canadian investor is not to be taken as investment advice. Braden or Simon may own securities mentioned on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment decisions.